It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Jeep. Here's your host, Matt Derry. We've hit the home stretch, everybody. Welcome back into Wired for another week, the Pistons podcast. And indeed, four games left in the regular season, and the Pistons right now clinging to a half-game lead in the race for the eighth and final playoff spot. I should say a one-game lead in the race for the eighth and final playoff spot, a half-game lead for the sixth seed, Detroit, Brooklyn, Orlando, and Miami. All jumbled up. Four teams separated by either a half game or one game for three spots. It's insane. So we will talk about it here on Wired, and then we will reminisce. Because Sunday, when the Hornets come to town, indeed the Pistons will welcome back the 2003-2004 NBA Championship team. The going-to-work Pistons have hit the 15-year anniversary. Can you believe that? Of that last championship, which was a an unbelievable night. One of the best of all time when you talk about Detroit sports at the Palace that evening when Detroit took out the Lakers in the infamous five-game sweep. We'll talk about it with the former VP of Basketball Operations for the Pistons, John Hammond, who, of course, was Joe Dumars' right-hand man and now is the current general manager of the Orlando Magic. We'll also talk to John about his current team, what he thinks their chances are in the playoffs, what he thinks of Detroit. I also want to ask him about Thon Maker. That's a guy that John drafted when he was GM of the Bucks. So we'll get into all that with uh, J.R.H., John Roy Hammond, in a little bit, right here on Wired. We're brought to you by Jeep, as always, and we welcome your feedback. You can tweet to me on Twitter, at Derry Speaks, D-E-R-Y Speaks, as well. The podcast goes out on the Pistons Twitter. Of course, I retweet it and everything else. We thank you for listening and joining us for another week. All right, I I went to the game last night at Little Caesars Arena on Wednesday night. This is being recorded on Thursday. I went as a fan last night. And to see no Blake Griffin was certainly disappointing. No excuses, though. Uh, Like Dwayne Casey said after the game, you cannot allow Indiana to score 62 points in the paint. And it really was a layup drill all night for the Pacers as they get the 108-89 win. So that win for Indiana tied them with Boston for four. And the Pistons' loss means that Detroit sits at 39-39 with four to play. Brooklyn is a half game back at 39-40. Orlando at 39 and 40, also a half game back, and Miami at 38 and 40 is one game back. You look at Detroit's schedule, and I think it's 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 a good one for Detroit. I mean, I think the Pistons are in good shape. Friday night at Oklahoma City is not going to be easy against Paul George, Russ, and the Thunder. Sunday against Charlotte, Hornets not going to the playoffs. Tuesday against Memphis at home against a bad Grizzlies team, and then Wednesday are going to New York against the tanking Knicks. So. I see three very, very winnable games for this basketball team. But it starts with Blake Griffin. They've got to get him back and healthy. And the left knee soreness now has kept him out the last three games. Last two games, Detroit has not been able to defend in the post or or, or guard the rim at all. Andre Drummond last night looked very, very frustrated. Even though Andre put up big numbers, uh, he missed a lot of layups. I think he was looking for some help defensively, especially at the rim. And it was not a great night, despite the 28-19 for Andre and really the rest of the team. Uh, pretty good atmosphere at LCA last night for the game and, and everything else. But the Pistons just spent the entire night passing up good open twos for open threes and weren't knocking them down. Uh, you know, Wayne Ellington continues to to score. He had 24 points. But the other guys, Langston Galloway, uh, uh, Luke Kennard, those guys struggled, Reggie Jackson. Those guys struggled from the perimeter, and, and that's kind of been the, the calling card for this team. When they've knocked down outside shots and they've gotten guys hot, especially from behind the long line, Pistons have gone on nice little runs here. 
Uh, as of late, it hasn't been the case. And over their last 10 games, the Pistons are 4-6. and six, And they're not, just, they're not scoring the basketball. And last night, they didn't defend the rim. So I like their chances to get in. Brooklyn's schedule is much more difficult. Same with Orlando. But they got to get Blake Griffin back, get him healthy, get him out there. Especially on, uh, offensively, everything runs through him. So I still see this team winning three of their next four games and getting into the postseason. And then we'll see what seed they get. But Detroit could finish as high as six and as low as nine if they don't make the playoffs. But if they do uh, make it, they could be the eight. You never know. Now, Sunday, again, as we just, uh, just, uh, I just referenced, is going to be a very, very special night at Little Caesars Arena. A 4 o'clock start, so late afternoon, for the Charlotte Hornets and the Pistons. And at halftime, a lot of the guys are going to be back from the 0304 championship team to celebrate a 15-year anniversary of that title team. Unbelievable. So Chauncey Billups, certainly Rip Hamilton, Tayshawn Prince, Ben Wallace, who I saw after the game last night and said hello to, Rasheed Wallace, that group will be back. And it's, you know, the fans that love those guys anytime they get a chance to see them. You want to talk about the definition of a true team. Well, we'll talk about it with John in a second. It was those guys. So I hope you can get out to LCA Sunday and, and give the guys a standing ovation that they deserve because uh, it's hard to even fathom that that was 15 years ago. It seemed like yesterday that uh, I was on the air doing that, that post-game show uh, until 6 in the morning, that we were celebrating way into the early hours of the morning uh, up at the Terrace Club there at the Palace when the Pistons beat the Lakers in five games. It was awesome. A very cool event again coming up on Sunday, the 15-year anniversary of the championship team from 04, the going-to-work Pistons. One of the guys who was the architects of that team, former VP of basketball operations, and Joe Dumars' right-hand man, now the general manager of the Orlando Magic, the great John Hammond joining me uh, right now here on Pistons Wired. What's up, John? Matt, I, I, I don't know how infrequently, I've probably have never heard the great John Hammond. Yes, you so, have. Uh, <laughs> I know we're using that term very loosely as we say that, but I, but I appreciate that and appreciate the chance to talk to you. It's great to hear your voice, John, and uh, the fans are, are loving hearing from you as well. Uh, so Sunday, obviously the Magic are a little bit busy and you can't be here, but can you believe it? 15 years, man? You know... Matt, when, when you and I uh, made contact and we were talking about this and you said, you, you said 15 years, I, I was taken aback by that. I was like, it can't be 15 years. But, you know, as, as you keep moving forward, I know it's a little life lesson, too. They talked about how, how the years go, go, by, go by quicker and quicker. So I guess that's just the case here. Of, it sure doesn't seem like 15 years. Do you run into any of the Do you run into any of the guys sometimes that go, "Oh man, you got you've gotten old." I mean, you, John, you look the same. You look great. I, I saw Ben Wallace at the uh, LCA last night. He's got some gray hairs in that beard now, but uh, is it a little bit crazy to see some of the guys now and and, and how they look? Yeah, a little bit, but everybody, you know, everybody looks great. I, I probably see Chauncey and Rip as much as anybody, just because of the TV responsibilities that they, they've had and had a chance to spend some time with. And then Cite, Cite, Sean, of course. Um, now, you know, with his, his, his part of the, uh, Memphis organization. So I see those three guys. I've seen Sheed and see, seen Ben a couple of times, all star breaks or whatever it might be, but everybody's doing good and looking good. John, uh, what, what made that team so special? You know, the, the game has changed so much now that, you know, everybody's shooting the three and, and everything else, but you go back to that team, that team's almost a throwback, right? Yeah, a little bit. You know, um, what made that team special was was they fit 
they just really fit together as a group. Everybody had their role, understood their role, and and um, and was willing to accept their role. And you know, when you talk about the game today and the three point shot, and you know, one of the real difference makers for us was was having Sheed and having that big that could stretch the floor. That was really key. You know, you had Tayshawn who could make a three. Uh, you know. Rip and Chauncey, of course, uh, very good three-point shooters. But, man, when we got that big guy in sheet that could stretch the floor, that was really a big difference maker for us as well. John Hammond with me, of course, the former VP of basketball operations for the Pistons during the, the championship run there in 03 and, and 04, certainly the 04 team being honored on, on, on Sunday here. John, when you talk about how the team was built and, and you go back and think about it, will the team ever be built the same way like that again? You know, I, I, I always when people talk about like, hey, you know, I know you're kind of you know, you a part you're in in Detroit for that championship, and I said, yeah, you know, and it's interesting. Um, I always say we had one, we could have, should have had two, and um, and that, that that those words always come out of my mouth sim- simultaneously. Had one, what it could have, should have had two, but but you're right. And the second thing I always talk about that that experience was that, um, you know. I, I think you look back in the last 30, maybe 40 years, that's the only team that has won a championship and could have, should have won two, I'll say it again, is in that we didn't have a Hall of Famer on the on the uh, roster. Now, maybe Ben makes it, maybe Sheed makes it, maybe Chauncey makes it, I don't, I don't, maybe something, something could happen for those guys to become it. But, you know, all these other teams had current, you looked at their roster and said, that guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. And you can do it in last year's championship team and the year before that and the year before that. Go 10 years straight and you say, and those guys are going to be Hall of Famers. They're lock Hall of Famers. As I, that, that team was winning at the, at the rate we were winning, we didn't have that guy. It was an actual real team of five guys that fit along with the other guys coming off the bench. You know, I, I, I always talk about, you know, Joe Dumars just did a masterful job in putting that roster together it was absolutely remarkable how how it is it, you know started with ben and being able to sign and trade for ben wallace and then from that point you know signing chauncey acquiring rip drafting tay trading for sheed i mean all those things that kind of worked for us fit together um you know joe just is not given enough credit for that i know I, I know people understand who he was and what he did but man it was just a masterful job John, when you look back on that, the Rashid trade, and obviously, like you get Lindsey Hunter back, and he's a yep. part of it. Um, that was that must have been a crazy couple of weeks, right? It was. It was. I remember that that trade occurred during our All Star break, and I, I think Joe Joe was out of town. I think for All Star weekend. I can't remember where I was at. I think I might have been out of town as well. But I don't think either one of us were at that All-Star weekend. But I remember being on the phone with Joe and him, him talking to me about, hey, look, got this call. Might have this opportunity. Might be able to acquire, acquire Rasheed Wallace. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, what, what potentially great get that could be for us. And then sure enough, it happened. And as you said, you know, get Lindsey back and Lindsey and, who, you know, who he is and everything he stands for. And, you know, I was with Lindsey twice. You know, I had a chance to coach him and then be a part of him with, you know, in, in the championship team and, you uh, you know, one of the all-time great guys. John Hammond with me here, reminiscing about that uh, 04 championship team, the 15-year anniversary. It started with Larry Brown, and I know you obviously had connections with him. Uh, you know, I, I, the job Rick Carlisle did the two years 
prior, you know, people, there's no way you guys win a title if you didn't have kind of the Rick two years before that. But Larry Brown was kind of the icing on the cake and, and the perfect coach for that squad, wasn't he? You know, and you're right. Rick, Rick did an amazing job. You know, think about that. Uh, I, I was with Joe there for seven years, and we won 50 games seven straight years. And Rick, Rick was... Uh, the first two years of those 50-win seasons did a remarkable job, no doubt whatsoever. He laid a lot of the groundwork. You think about this, you almost think it would be the opposite. You'd have the veteran coach laying the groundwork and the young coach come in and take over and win the championship. That was opposite. You had Rick. As, that was his first head coaching job in the NBA, and he did such a great job with that team. But we made the change, made the change because Larry Larry opened up and had a chance to hire him and, and he thought, you know, can our team can we can do we have a coach that can get us to that next level? I'm not saying that Rick wasn't capable of that because you can see what he's done in his career more than capable. But Larry was was just like you said, the right fit for the right time with that team and got the job done. You know, completely off topic, John, but the O one O two team, uh, our first year uh, doing stuff together on the radio, and mm-hmm. and when we start. I swear to God, that that could be the greatest coaching job or one of them in all sports of all time with winning 50 games with, like, Stackhouse and then Zelly Rabracha and John Bear. I mean, that was a, an, an unbelievable coaching job that first year. Absolutely. I, I, I'm not sure, Maddie, but I think Rick might have been the coach of the year that year. Yeah, he was. And and, and very deservedly so. Yeah, that, another group. That was an interesting team, too, though. You know, that they that team fit as well. And, and, you know, um, I, I, I don't know who it was. Someone in the NBA, I think, made this comment, and, and, and I read this, that um, he's talked about, like, a team fit. Let's just use the word chemistry. And he said, you know, chemistry is one of those things you don't know how you got it when you have it, and you don't know how you lost it when it's gone. And sometimes it just happens. You, you know, the, the, the team gets on the floor, like a team like that, that, that team you're talking about, and it just fits. And they found a way to win 50 games and overachieve and obviously to a whole nother level with a championship team. How did, how did Chauncey Billups get so good so fast? And, and obviously he was a lottery pick and he had made the rounds and uh, obviously was not fitting in, in the places that he had played before that. And landed in Minnesota has a decent year under flip and you guys grab him in free agency. But what 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 was the term? Was it just working with Larry or what, what was maybe it was just this city and, and, and the fit? But what, what do you see as, as the reason why he came here and excelled so much? Once again, you know, there, there, how many of us have had opportunities in, in, in our lives, put my hand up first and foremost, that if you're, if you're at the right place at the right time? And I think for Chauncey Billups, if you look at Chauncey's pedigree, and you say, hey, with that pedigree, he, he, he should be a star. When he came up as a young high school player, you know, going to Colorado, high lottery pick like he was, he checks all the boxes for a guy that could maybe potentially be a star in our league, and he just needed the right place at the right time, and that's what it was for Chauncey. You know, I think you, you look at that team, and, you know, Chauncey and Rip together, I, 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 you know, Chauncey was a very interesting guy at that point guard spot. He, 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 he just he took, care, took great care of the basketball. He was a low turnover guy, and when he had a Rip, you know, screaming off those screens the way he did, and and being able to like just to pitch the ball to Rich to Rip for an open open shot, and Rip makes a shot, get that assist, chalk up another assist for Chauncey Billups, and then and then his ability to play off the ball as well, and you know like what the you know 
you know, call him Big Shot for a reason. That guy hit so many big shots in his career during that run. And uh, so I think it was just the right fit. You know, you had Ben Wallace as a as a great rim protector. You know, Chauncey was, well, I think, think, I think Chauncey was a better offensive player than defensive player. Not that he wasn't solid defensively, but to have Ben on the backside protecting him the way he did. And then you get Sheed at another shot blocker. Prince could block shots. So it just, it was just the right place for Chauncey. John Hammond with me, uh, VP of Basketball Operations for the Pistons for many years under Joe Dumars, and now, of course, the general manager of the Orlando Magic. Before the Lakers series in that finals, the infamous, uh, uh, as George Blaha coined it many years ago, the five-game sweep, did you at any point, do you remember any conversations with Joe or you guys all sitting around, and the front office was so close back then, and saying, did everybody think that you guys were going to win? Because nobody, obviously, outside of your building did because of Shaq and Kobe and everything else. But what were those conversations like before that series? Well, it was interesting. Before the series, it was very interesting. You know, um, uh, uh, my, my time with Joe, you know, I had a chance to be an assistant coach and, and, and be an assistant coach for him for six years when he was playing and then working with him for seven more years in the front office that uh, we had a, we had a unique relationship, and and um, you know our, our perspectives were very interesting because my perspective was that as a as a coach, because Joe hired me from coaching and moved me into the front office, and and uh, Joe's perspective perspective was that as a player, and you know not to kind of go back in the Chuck Daly's day, but I, I know like you know Chuck always used to talk about you know coaching being there's misery and there's relief there's not winning losing this misery and relief and like you know what was us as a coach that my mentality was like. As a coach, I'm not sure we can win the next game. Can we win any games? And Joe had had the ultimate confidence as a player. He always knew we were going to win. And so, you know, I go into a series like that and think, my gosh, how in the world can we beat the Los Angeles Lakers? Because they had home court. Um, how are we going to beat those guys? And, and Joe was always – he had this – as he had the play – as he was the player – you know, as a person, he just had this quiet confidence about him, and he would always like settle me down and talk, t- and basically tell me reasons why we're gonna, why we can win this series, why we can be the champs. That's all. I, I would have loved him to fly on the wall, listen to some of that, because you're usually pretty positive. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. That's I love, right. I love it. I love it. All right, John Hammond, with me. The the current league and how it is now. You were mentioning Chauncey throwing the ball to Rip on that on that right elbow for the turn and shoot and. You know, like 16, 17 footers. Those days are done, John, in this league. I sat with my son at the game last night, and guys are going down the floor for an open dunk and kicking it out for a three. It's it's incredible how much the game has changed today, huh? Yeah, it has. You know, with a three point shot has done to this game, and the, the one thing it's done too, I think it, it, it's it's obviously changed the game. But I think it's added an element of excitement to the game that you know. I say when I go to a when I go to a baseball game, I want to see home runs. I want to see grand slams, or I want to see no hitters. I want to see something special. And I think when NBA fans come to basketball games, they want to see slam dunks, and they want to see three-pointers. They want to see those big plays. You know, the mid-range game is not exciting today. But, you know, those those players today that finish over the rim and make those great athletic plays that only few in this world can do, people want to they'll pay to see that, and they love the three-point shot, and it's become a major part of our game today. You moved on from, of course, Detroit to Milwaukee and now to Orlando, uh, building a Magic team that right now, John, is, is is fighting for that eighth and final playoff spot. Heck, could finish sixth. Who knows? With with the Pistons. How do you kind of size up the, the standings right now, six through nine? Well, we're, we're hanging on. We're just hanging on trying to finish the season. There's only three games left for us, Matt. So we have one at home and then two left on the road. So 
we'll see what we can do. It'll be a great opportunity for us organizationally to get to get back into the playoffs. Um, you know, this organization in, in, in the short span they've, they, they, they've, they've been here, they've had, they've had, you know, a couple of great opportunities already. You know, you think about a 94, 95, uh, championship, uh, um, uh, series that they lost. And then 2008, 2009, which is fairly recently another time to get back into the championship series and, and, and lost both of them. But, you know, I've been to the finals twice. So, but as of recent, haven't had a chance to be in the playoffs. So if we could get back in, it, it, it would be great. What's it like? What's the, the the environment and atmosphere like in Orlando for NBA? And, and obviously a lot of players have gone down there. A lot of players live there in the offseason. The weather's fantastic. You've been in two very cold weather places for a long time and, of course, are, are a Chicago guy at heart. So what's what's NBA like uh, in the beautiful state of Florida? Well, I can say the NBA in Orlando is good because, you know, the, the neat thing about a place like this is we're the only show in town. So, so, um, we're the only professional sports team. So, um, the, the fan, the fan base is very, very good here. There's great support. Uh, they, they support the team. We draw well, you know, basically win, lose or draw. But of course, you know, the more you win, the more excited people really get to come see and cheer. So, um, but overall it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good place to play. I mentioned the current Pistons who are fighting with you guys uh, among the other teams here, six through nine, one will be left out. What do you think of Detroit and, and, and what they're doing currently? I think they're in a good position. You know, I, I, I like some of the young players on the roster. You know, having a guy like Blake, having a, a mega star like that, I think is, you know, it's another draw. You think like, you know, what else do people want to see? You know, they want to see slam dunks. They want to see, they want to see uh, the three-point shot, but they, they really want to come watch stars play. And having a guy like Blake, I think, is a, is a great opportunity for them. And, and, you know, Drummond is just a monster inside, and, and some of the other good young players, I think they're in a good spot. And, um, look, it just, you know, takes time. You, you know, we all need that break to, to, to get the, the, the right fit for our team. And if you get it, you can take off from there. Everybody, when they talk about Giannis, everybody says, oh, John Hammond drafted Giannis. I, I could ask you that question, which you've, been answer- you've answered 5,000 times, but let me ask you about Thon Maker, because you drafted him, he's here, needed a change of scenery, and, and left Milwaukee to come to Detroit here as he was picked up by, by Ed Stefanski. I like him, John. I think there's something there. You obviously saw something years ago when you, when you drafted him. What's, what's been the issue, and, and should Detroit fans expect that, that you know, stick with this kid? Is he going to be something special? You know, I, I I don't know. There's gonna be something special, um, but but so let me let me back this up. See, I don't know. There's gonna be something special as a player. I know this. He is going to be something, and he already is something special as a person. So you take a guy who's a special, special. I, I mean, Matt, you're talking about one of my favorite people I've ever had a chance to be around. This guy is special. Separates himself on how he acts, how he interacts with people, how he treats people, and take along with the fact that he's you know six foot eleven. He, he's got great feet. He can run. He's a good shot blocker, and as he gets more and more consistent, as we just talked about stretching that floor. Um, there's no reason he can't have a very successful career in this league. And I'm not, I don't mean to take anything away from him to say that he can't be an all-star. Something could happen for him. But right now, I know why not bank on a man like that. He's a great, great man. He's a great teammate. Coaches love coaching him. Players love playing with him. And I think that, 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 that the more time that he spends in Detroit, the more, gonna, more people are going to appreciate him for what, for what he stands for and who he is. He doesn't look like the typical Detroit type of player in terms of his build. But, man, every time there's a loose ball, John, he's, he's the first one down there. 
Hundred percent, and that, 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 that's what you love about him. You love about the fact that you know. I, I got a great sound story too, just uh, just real briefly. What I can remember, like I think it was his rookie year playing in, in Indiana, and sitting behind the bench, our bench. I was sitting with two of those season ticket holders, and they made the conversation. They saw me like kind of it, it, my angst of watching our team play. So <laughs> that you must be you must be with uh, with Milwaukee. I said I am, and and the the lady made an interesting comment to me. She said. Um, and, and San got in that game and had to hit a couple of decent threes and helped us win that game. But, but it wasn't like, wasn't like a, you know, a 30 minute performance. It was like, whatever, a, a, a eight minute performance, 12. But, but at the end of the game, the, near the end of the game, she goes, you know who my favorite player on your team is? She goes, his number, I don't even know what number it was, six, something like that. I don't can't remember his number, but she goes, I love how he supports his teammates. I love how, how he, his behavior on the floor, his demeanor on the floor. I like that guy. And I thought, man, what a neat compliment. I told Thon that story, too, that I said, man, you just keep doing that. You keep representing yourself like that, and people respect you for who you are and how you play. You're going to have a long career. And that's how you had to build, and you and Joe had to build the 0304 team with change of scenery. And it's kind of how teams in small markets and here in Detroit where, you know, let's be honest, it's not like, you know, guys are lining up to, to fly out here. They're all going to L.A. or Phoenix or or wherever else, it's kind of how you have to build the team, isn't it? To, in today's NBA, with with how difficult free agency is, John. That's what that, that's that's exactly how it happened. That's what and, and, and Joe, you think like this because all of those all of those moves, you know, all separately happen, and and it was just the, um, um, that happening for that team, and and because you're right, it wasn't. You know, you look at you talk about the good fortune right now of 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 a, of a team like Milwaukee having Giannis there. And that guy's turned out to be that's a level like an MVP type level player that that can happen. That didn't happen in Detroit. That didn't happen for us and help us win that championship. It was a completely different way of doing it. And 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 the part of it was was you know kind of Joe just going piece by piece putting this team together. All right, John. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, I, I got to ask. We miss Joe. Uh, how's how's he doing? Joe Joe's doing great. Um, you know he's uh, in Los Angeles doing great. You know and. I think about like my many, I have like a hundred more than that stories of Joe Dumars. But you know, when you start talking about this, this championship team and, and having a chance to win a championship, you know, um, I, I, people, I, I talk about like sports memories that I've had that I will never forget in my life. Mm. And, and being with Joe Dumars, being with Joe Dumars, you know, us sitting together up in his suite every game, my wife and I used to talk about how, you know, we were attached, attached to the hip. <laughs> But, but I mean, as as that game five clock is winding down, and 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 you can see we're going to win that game, and the crowd is just rising and getting louder and louder as the clock's ticking down. I'll never forget Joe Dumars putting his arm around me and saying, "Mr. John, you're a world champion. No one can ever take that away from you." Yeah, it's sweet. I mean, Maddie. I mean, that was like you talk about a moment that you'll never forget in your life. You know, to have to be able to have someone say those words to you. More importantly, have someone like Joe Dumar say those words to you. Amazing. It was uh, it was it was quite a run and the loudest building I, I could ever remember. And and, and, and the, it, it helped that it was against the Lakers and you know you beating Shaq and Kobe and Phil Jackson. I mean that was that was as perfect as it could get. It was the perfect storm. All right, John. Great catching up, my friend. Thanks again. Always good talking to you, Matt. Talk soon. See you soon. Oh man, how great was that? Love talking to John R. Hammond. That dude is the best and uh, one of the all-time great people that you'll ever find in professional sports and uh, in the NBA, certainly 
the Magic General Manager, the former VP of Basketball Operations, John Hammond. We could talk forever about the 0304 team and all of John's roles uh, here in Detroit, whether it was an assistant coach under Doug Collins, and then, of course, as he said, plucked to the front office by Joe D to work alongside of him. And then John left to go to Milwaukee to be the Bucks general manager, drafted Giannis and, and, and that group, and now running things uh, under Jeff Weltman in Orlando. Jeff was also on the staff with Joe and, and, and John and Scott Perry. Those were great times, and hopefully now what we're seeing uh, down at Little Caesars Arena is the start of something similar with Ed Stefanski, Malik Rose, and that crew, and we thank John for his time reminiscing. As uh, he said it, he got the invite to come uh, on Sunday at the, for the 4 o'clock game against the Charlotte Hornets, but unfortunately, John's got a game with the Magic. He can't be there. Is Orlando fighting fighting for the uh, for that eight spot in the race for six, seven, eight, and nine in the East? Again, Pistons are the six now by a half game over Brooklyn in Orlando, and then Miami sits at thirty-eight and forty, a game back of Detroit and a half game back of the Nets and Magic. We'll talk next week about the recap of the regular season, and we'll look ahead to the playoffs. Hopefully. Thanks to John Hammond. Thanks, you guys, for listening here on Wired, brought to you by Jeep. We'll talk to you again next week.